the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to Signposts. This is one of your hosts, Andrew Boylan, with my dad, Pastor William Boylan. Uh, we're talking today with Bob Lathrop, the head of the music ministry at Byfield Parish Church. And we're talking about how God fits pieces of our lives together in a plan. And he, there's no coincidences that we all um, are part of his grand plan. And he knows what we were going to do before we were born, before we walked in the earth. And, uh, and we're seeing that, the ramifications of that, in these stories that we're telling, even in this, in this moment today. And, but I just want to remind you that you're listening to Signpost Ministries. And come visit us at PastorBoylan.com. And I want to continue with Bob and talk about how the worship surface is structured. And I think you had some great yeah. points, Dad, that you wanted to bring in and yeah, to the uh, question. Well, of course, uh, uh, I've uh, known Bob, obviously, for a long time and watched him work for a long time. And uh, uh, not discounting the Spirit of God who's in charge of the whole thing and uh, brings remarkable things together that we really don't plan but when you're all done you say you know we couldn't have planned it that well <laughs> that's really true and uh, uh, and and you have shared with me and uh, I want you to share with the audience some of the thoughts that the Lord has uh, given you and that you've used and how how you really visualize the uh, part you play in terms of the music ministry and the life of the church but in particular worship when you think about uh, worship time together sure um, well I think in um, I, I think there's a danger uh, in incorporating um, music into worship. I, I think it's it's a for, for me it's always been dangerous because many people think of music as a performance art. Mm. Um, so the danger there has to do with uh, our perceived importance in the ministry of all of that or, or in the delivery of all of that. Um, I think it's very easy as performers um, to prepare yourself, uh, to prepare the music that you're working on, um, and when you present it, to feel like it's, uh, it's coming out of your own power. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it makes you self-important. Um, the church couldn't do this unless uh, we were involved. And um, I, I think it's always been <clears throat> an important aspect, I guess, of what I brought to the music ministry to flip that on its head. Um, and get away from um, the idea that we were self-important, that we were contributing somehow to the success of a mm -hmm. worship service because of the music that we were delivering. <clears throat> so I guess the philosophy or the, well, yeah, I guess it's more of a philosophy than a theology, but the philosophy that I've always brought to it and have taught the choir as well as the praise band as we prepare our music is that we need to be first, first and foremost good stewards of the time that we've been given and the talents that we've been given. So if, if a member of our congregation has the ability to sing or play an instrument and they feel like they want to offer that um, mm. as, as a ministry, um, that we should make the most of that talent. So uh, to utilize people and to utilize their abilities to the absolute best that we can. That means plugging them in 
where they feel comfortable, plugging them in where they're effective, um, and also steering them away from places where they may not be as effective, which can also be somewhat uh, <clears throat> difficult to do at times because, again, musicians uh, are self-important people <laughs> in many ways. We, we've, uh, this, uh, this gift that we've been given of singing or, or playing uh, is a very personal one. Mm. Um, so when you have someone tell you that, um, you know, maybe we ought to use your gift in a different way in, in this way versus in the way that you had envisioned. It, that's a per, it feels like a personal attack. Mm. Uh, so I've had to kind of tread lightly in, in, in many ways th- in that way. But I get, going back to really the, the operating philosophy that we've had in the munis- music ministry, and that is <clears throat> be good stewards of the talent we've been given and utilize the time that we've been given to prepare the music in the most effective way mm-hmm. so that we are not a distraction in worship, that we uh, contribute to the message that's being delivered. Um, first and foremost is the word. Um, I've never considered the music ministry to be the most important ministry of the church. I've mm-hmm. always felt it to be a, uh, a supporting ministry. Uh, for me, the word is is the most important aspect of a worship ministry, and that the music should complement it, um, and to to, to con- continue to lift it up because I think music speaks directly to the heart of people, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> whereas words speak to our intellect. So I've I've always wanted our music ministry to be supportive of the sermon. Um, we've tried to pick hymns and anthems and praise songs that that contribute to the theme of of the sermon that morning. Um, so that we are not distracting uh, folks and, and kind of taking them out of the flow of worship to listen to a particular song and then bringing them back in to listen to a sermon. I always wanted I mean, all of that of to work together. I, I often notice is the harmony of it all, the way everything sort of balances really well and smoothly transitions, you know, that it, it feels like, you know, it's so well struck. It feels like it's, you know, so well structured and such a well-oiled machine Every, every Sunday at Byfield from the praise singing at the beginning to coming in with an opening prayer to like, uh, you know, a single person song to a choral anthem or what have you. It's just always amazing the choreography that, that you that is put together between you on the uh, mm-hmm. my dad on the word side and, and you on the music side. It's really mm-hmm. fascinating to watch over the years. And some of that can be planned, but mm-hmm. most of the time it's not. Interesting. And for for me, and I think for Bill, it's it's been um, affirming, and it's been encouraging to see how our respective ministries yeah. have complemented one another over mm-hmm. the years without a lot of formal planning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do get the sermon information in the middle of the week. I do understand what the theme of the sermon is going to be, and try to pick those elements of the music ministry that I can. Uh, that, that I can pick days before uh, mm-hmm. the service to complement that. But many times the choir anthem, we've been working on that anthem for four weeks. Uh, Interesting. L- leading up to uh, a performance on a given Sunday morning. And mm-hmm. I wasn't able to pick that anthem in a very specific way to relate to the sermon. But many, many times over the years, they've worked in conjunction almost as if we had planned them. And for that, f- for me, that means that God is involved in w- mm. the message that he wants to come across to his congregation that morning, and he was going to use the the elements of the worship service um, to get that message across in a very clear way, despite ourselves sometimes. That's no, remarkable. 
Oh, it's really true. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times because it's been a long time, uh, 23 years. <laughs> but nevertheless, no, but, but often, you know, when I'm listening myself to the praise music, one of the things I have to be careful of as a pastor and a preacher <coughs> is that I don't treat the worship service as a job I do. Mm-hmm. But rather, exactly what you're saying is I'm part of that worshiping congregation. I'm, I'm g- gifted in and then eager to pick up uh, you know, lift the Lord up. That's my. Uh, if I were to talk to a young pastor, go a person, you know, starting out in ministry, who want to know how to preach, of course you want to apply everything. Anything that doesn't isn't applicable is no value to anybody. Mm-hmm. So, but but there is a difference between uh, having something to, uh, I don't know, uh, move. I'm, not, I'm saying this badly because I don't mean exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I, I mean what I'm saying, but I mean the way I'm saying it. In other words, sure, I want uh, what God wants and preach and try to explain it and try to apply it and all that. But there is something intangible in that. Uh, and, and I've learned as a pastor over years that uh, the best way to really uh, get what God wants across is to do what Jesus said to do. Lift me up. You lift me up, and I will draw all men to myself. Now, again, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't mean just always preaching theology. It doesn't mean that. But I really do, or have over my years, stuck with that. I when I go to that pulpit, when I went last Sunday, I may have been doing preaching for fifty years, but I just lifted up Christ. I I did not give a plan for stopping the war in the Mideast. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I did not want to tell people how to deal with finances better so the economy and the country would grow or something. Uh, That'll all happen. That'll happen. I went to that pulpit in order to show what's going on in the lives of the people in the light of the fact there's a new king in heaven and that that king in heaven is sovereign. And if you can know what's happening in heaven, you'll know what's happening in you because you're seated in heaven with him in those heavens. You heard me preach it, but the people on radio didn't. (laughs) But the point is, that's what I did. I tried to lift him up to say, why is there a rainbow around the throne in heaven? Because nobody can get to the Lord unless they go through the rainbow. Well, what's a rainbow? Rainbow is a manifestation of his grace. If you're coming to God on any other basis but his grace, you're not coming to him. You know, and who's going to tell you the story? Well, the elders. Who are the elders? We're the elders. We have the message of, well, no, no, I have to right. go. But, you know, for the sake, again, of people listening to radio, I want them to know. But I always thought I was lifting Christ up in that throne, you see. Yeah. And that's what, you, but my point is not just that I'm doing it, but that's what the music is doing. I really feel that. I, I can't tell you the number of times that's what I started to say that you'll sing something in a praise song that isn't just like what I'm preaching. Uh, it's the phraseology. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't know that. Right. I did. And I may not have known it before <laughs> Saturday night, you know, yep. when somebody hit me. And bang, that has to And be. I believe those, those moments happen um, because of our endeavor um, to be good stewards with the resources that he's given us. Mm-hmm. So... Um, an example of that is is I, I'm very very particular with the music that I choose to teach the choir and the praise band. Um, I'm not necessarily interested on what in terms of what the hottest tune is out there that everybody is doing. If the message of that praise song is a little light theologically, I'll mm-hmm. tend to steer away from it, even though it's the greatest melody of all time. Uh-huh. Um, I'm always looking for uh, texts in the praise music and in the in the hymns and in the anthems that are theologically deep and accurate. Um, and I, 
I believe by being a good steward of that and not just by doing the music that I like the best, mm-hmm. um, that God has chosen to use those selections in very particular ways in terms of matching them with sermons. Um, we're not trying to, to do the latest and the greatest music. We're trying to find the music that speaks the, the best truth. Mm-hmm. And in, in doing so, I believe God is blessing that effort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mentioned to you as we were driving in today, Bob, that uh, uh, <clears throat> if you think about the uh, way the Holy Spirit works strategically, uh, there has, I, at least I don't think there has been a significant great spiritual awakening without an accompaniment of the music that kind of speaks to that. Right. I mean, when Luther found out about justification by faith. He sat down and wrote our mighty fortresses, our God, our, you know, bulwark never failing. And it goes right on to be as theological in the music as he was in his preaching and his insight. And then mm-hmm. Wesley and our second great awakening, that, but it was America's first, our first great awakening. Charles Wesley writes, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's love? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. How can it be that yes, my God would die for me? You know, I mean, you think yeah. of the way in which you know the Holy Spirit really brings uh, out the truth of those great errors in the music that absolutely they right. Mm-hmm. And not only does yeah. that <clears throat> does that the, do those hymns speak of great theology, but they're married with with a musical melody that speaks directly to your heart and gets stuck in your head, right. and you start repeating that melody yeah. and and those words paired together with one another, and and they. Um, they they lift you up. They they teach you. Yeah. Um, so that that combination is extremely powerful. That is so true. Really there was true. a song that came out. Probably was when you were still sitting on your dad's knee during choir rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> they called it ham and eggs. Do you remember? It says in the ha- in the in the stars his handiwork I see on the wings. He speaks with majesty, though he ruleth over land and sea. What is that to me? I still remember it. That was in the seventies. <laughs> <and up. laughs> well, no, I know it's amazing. Music is is that thing. That that uh, what not only connects us, but I mean it's amazing. I don't even have to look at a hymn book anymore because yeah. I've heard yeah. those all yeah. the songs so many times that you know, except for maybe the fifth verse of some yeah. obscure hymn. <laughs> 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 I, it, it is. It, 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 it's powerful how those melodies like bring back all the words and 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 when they're really well constructed. Mm. Well, you, uh, I. I you know, trust that those listening to us on radio, maybe there's, there's a young person who's about to go into the same ministry that you've had, you know, would really hear you out on, on what you said back a while ago, and that is the temptation we're all under, and you're under it, I'm under it, is to uh, take the successes that God gives you and then to attribute them to yourself. That is, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're still, we're forgiven, but we're forgiven sinners, and uh, that's a tendency. There's an old uh, an old story I probably is true at root of a Scottish preacher who was very good. I mean, he was a great, and Scots are great by instinct. It's like the Welch are great singers, the Scots are great <laughs> preachers. And the, he had a particularly good sermon. He delivered it especially well when he came out of the pulpit, and his deacon couldn't wait to say, that was a wonder. He said, that was a great, and he just couldn't add the superlatives. And the, and the uh, preacher said, you don't have to bother. The devil's already told me so. <laughs> 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 Absolutely, and it's always it's always humbling for me after a, after a Sunday morning's worship service when people come up to you and say, "Great music," um, to to take that accolade uh, on yourself. Um, 
Uh, I've had many opportunities to speak to people after cantatas, uh, mm. for instance, uh, at Christmas who come up to us and say, you're so lucky here at Byfield. You have so many talented people, and, and this has been such a beautiful program. It's very tempting to, to take all of that thanks and, and, and yeah. on myself uh, for the yeah. program that I've built, per se. But mm-hmm. uh, in reality, there's, there's really not a whole lot of me in it. Mm-hmm. God gifted it to me mm-hmm. uh, at the very beginning. I've been a steward of it uh, through the process. And he continues to bless the ministry as we go forward. Mm-hmm. No, it's a continual. We spoke here a while back uh, on Signpost, uh, and I've shared in many, many contexts the miraculous season that we had at Byfield. And I had the experience and uh, because I was asked to pray for certain impossible situations and seeing them resolve instantly. Uh, I put my hand on a blind dog, dog's muzzle and asked the Lord to take away the blindness. I took it off and he could see. I put my hand on the knee of a woman who shattered it her, in her own basement, fell down the stairs, and had landed on the cement floor in the point of her knee in the doctor's at Beverly Hospital, not some not some off in Wonderland place, or I mean some remote place. No, Beverly said, you better be prepared. You may never walk again. I put my hand on her knee, and uh, uh, when I, by the weekend, she had a perfectly knee. Uh, Kyle Robertson, you probably know. Kyle Absolutely. Was dying. Yeah. He was bleeding internally. That was the end of a year long uh, series of uh, uh, very serious uh, uh, treatments that added to his problem in a way, not intentionally, obviously, but it just was so rigorous. And uh, he, he, he was fearful for his life. And I asked the Lord to take it away. He was out that weekend, never had cancer since 15 years ago. But pretty my heady point stuff. Is, huh? Pretty heady stuff. Pretty heady yeah. stuff. You could go back to the church and ask for a raise after those hey, things, then, right? right. I, <laughs> I didn't think of that. I better be quiet now and say no more. No, no, but the real point is the same as you're saying. People want to attribute that to you. Right. I have never healed a kneecap. I've never yeah. stopped a cancer. I've never done any of those things. Uh, but ask of me, and I will show you great and wonderful things you have not seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's for the asking. Yeah, so that's true. Andrew, uh, uh, I wonder how many. L- let's remind people where we are. Uh, Absolutely. In this yeah, take a moment to remind you that we're listening to Signposts Ministries here on WBIX. Um, I would welcome you to come check out PastorBoylan dot com, and you can find out more about us, more about our ministry. We are listener supported radio, so we. Uh, are always interested in hearing more from uh, people who come and, and are listening this Saturday afternoon or this Sunday evening um, to our show. So, But I want to continue um, talking about the music ministry at Byfield, really, and talk about con- the contemporary stuff, because I know that you begin at this season to start looking ahead to Christmas and looking ahead to the cantata, and you were just speaking about it. And I know on the, I'd love to hear more about well, more about this year's cantata in general, but in, sure. and, the, and the cantata in overall. Right. So our, our cantata, our Christmas program, what we call a cantata, uh, is really our largest opportunity for outreach in terms of the music ministry at Byfield on a seasonal basis. It's the time where folks <clears throat> will come to a concert setting, so to speak, um, to listen to holiday music, uh, which makes everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Um but it's always been um, – it's never been an interest of mine to present a holiday concert in those situations. Mm-hmm. It's always been more of my interest to present the gospel message in a very um, stripped-down, basic way uh, through the vehicle of music um, for those people who may darken the doors of our congregation – of our church for the first and maybe only time that given mm-hmm. year. 
um, and not miss an opportunity to share the love of Christ with them through the vehicle of music. Absolutely. So that's what our cantata uh, is intended for. It's not a it's not a concert. It's not a musical performance. It's more of uh, of a, a gospel message through music. Mm. So. Um, this year, we're going to have a theme uh, to our cantata around the idea of peace. Um, it's Nothing is set in stone at the moment, but our working title is uh, And on Earth, Peace, um, or Peace Has Come. Uh, we haven't completely decided on that, but the idea behind the theme of this year's cantata is that the, the world right now that we live in is um, a dark place and seems mm. to be getting darker by the day. Absolutely. And all of us are looking for peace in our lives, in our relationship. We're looking for peace um, in our country. We're looking for peace in the world. And despite that, uh, that need and that desire for peace, it seems that things are just getting worse more than they're getting better. So what does Scripture say about that? What does Scripture say about peace? Um, so we're going to start there as our, as our, as our basic, uh, entry point to the cantata. And then we're going to talk about the fact that, um, that Christ was prophesied, um, Mm. in Isaiah to be the Prince of Peace. And, uh, what did that mean? What does that mean that that Christ is called the Prince of Peace? And when the angels announced to the shepherd that the, the baby was born in Bethlehem, they said, um, glory to God in the highest and on earth, uh, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Mm. And what does that mean? Are, are, is, are we expecting uh, that world peace will come uh, in our lifetime? Or is peace for everyone? Is peace for, for all men on earth? Or is, it, is peace um, more targeted? Uh, so we're going to explore that a little bit. Um, but by doing so, we're going to hopefully offer a, a message of hope. Mm. to folks that come and come and hear it that uh, Christ came uh, in the form of a baby took on flesh for us to make um, the relationship the fallen relationship between man and God that happened when sin entered the world uh, he came to restore that relationship and through that restoration we who believe in him have that peace that passes understanding and that's really the crux of the gospel message that we hope mm-hmm. to communicate in this year's cantata yeah, it's it's a it's a tough time, uh, I think, for people t- in our in our culture in our in our country. Uh, a tough time to get the message straight because we're being told by merely everyone from every quarter that oh well, uh, uh, all religions are the same. They're all uh, you know basically good. They get corrupted at certain points, but uh, but actually the Bible, if people will simply read it, will tell them it's just the opposite. Uh, uh, it's the human nature that's corrupted. And when we fathom or or, uh, fabricate, better word, our own gods, uh, we're only making God in our image, and if we are fallen beings, we have a fallen God. (laughs) And uh, so when Jesus comes wielding, you you know, we were talking earlier about, he says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Well, he did come to bring peace. He bought peace by the, he bought our peace by his blood on the cross. We're not denying that. But what he is doing is he's severing the world in the sense of of, uh, separating the sheep from the goats. He's separating the truth from the lie, uh. the light from the darkness. That and uh, and the great danger uh, we're all in, and only by the grace of God can we escape it. Is if we're left to ourselves, we will remain in the dark. We will remain as enemy. We will remain who we are by nature. If He doesn't take action, which 
the Bible claims is precisely what he did. Uh, you did not choose me, I chose you. Uh, Jesus says, and I have appointed you to go and bear fruit. And some of that we've been talking about for an hour now. You know, the, the worship of Christ is, is uh, lifting him up so that uh, he can call people to himself. But anyway, but, but the cantata sounds to me like it's really going to uh, uh, be a powerful moment. Because if you bring forth this this matter of yeah, peace uh, upon those with whom he's well pleased, and the only thing, the only way a human being can be pleasing to God is if God makes him pleasing. Absolutely, by his grace. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's amazing as always. This hour goes by like lightning, and it, and it can just we just there's not enough time in the day. Um, but I do want to take just a moment to tell us when it is the cantata this year. For Byfield Parish. Sure. Um, our cantata will be presented on two nights, uh, December 8 and 9. That's a Friday and a Saturday night in December. Um, the first night we are planning to present it at a sister church down the road in Bradford. Um, that will be the Friday night performance. And then the Saturday night performance will be at our own church in Byfield. Excellent. Excellent. Both, both performances, by the way, happening at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. So 7 p.m. December 8th and 9th. That's correct. Excellent. That's fantastic. Well, Bob, first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join us here. I know, as we heard today, that you have two jobs. You have a lot going on these days, <laughs> so it's, we're, we appreciate you uh, you uh, fitting us in because this has been really enlightening, and this has been a real true enjoyment and pleasure for me to just l- hear more about, about Byfield, more about the behind-the-scenes of um, how, how a church service is put together and how a ministry has grown over these many years. Um, and I want to, as always, be grateful that we got to spend time together, Dad, to, on this show. Yeah, and uh, this is uh, this is a great treat every week to be with you, Andrew, and uh, and with guests like Bob, and uh, with you who are listening to us on radio. We really, we really can't see you, and uh, you can't see us. Radio is very tough that way, but nevertheless, uh, we're aware you're there, and we're glad you're you're listening to us, and we're really glad you're in touch with this uh, Salem Network because. Uh, we Andrew and I get a chance to be here every week, and we see the zeal and the love these folk have for our country and for you, our listener. Uh, it's just a wonderful place to be involved in. Absolutely. And as always, I just want to urge you to stop by PastorBoylan.com. Tell us about what you, what's going on in your life um, and your and your faith. Um, we're, our door is open, open, so we're looking just hear more feedback and more from our for anybody who's listening and looking for an ear and thank you so much for joining us here in signpost ministries have a lovely day three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.